Okay, son, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, Dad. How are you, how are you Josh? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing today, Papa? <laughs> I'm doing fine, thanks to Calvary. I sure appreciate what we have uh, been uh, discussing the past few weeks, and for those who have been listening, on our last uh, uh, last podcast, we were talking about the book of Revelation, and it is uh, chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, where it does mention the white throne judgment. And so I've suggested that we uh, take a look at, at least uh, for to this evening, I don't know how much longer, but the judgment seat of Christ verses are compared to the white throne judgment. I'd like to read from the book of Romans is where it's found. It's only found the judgment seat of Christ is we began with the judgment seat of Christ and, and a couple of times in the New Testament, that phrase itself. The first one being in the book of Romans that Paul wrote to the church at Rome. In chapter number 14, I'll be reading from the King James Bible. Let me give you a little context here on the first verses of that chapter. It's talking about uh, people who have uh, a dispute with one another or there's one brother judging another brother about things that are eaten. Uh, some, they suggest you can eat anything, uh, meats, and some people just eat herbs. And and then uh, Paul goes into his letter speaking about that particular issue and says that, uh, that we shouldn't judge one another. And he gets down to, uh, verse 10, yeah, I guess I should read verse 7 as well, where it says, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. This is the King James. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. And, uh, you know, you see all throughout the chapter, you see we, 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 we. In uh, context, in, in the context, it's, either, you know, the letter, I read it, apply it to life today. We're talking about believers. We're talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. And so he he went on to say this, um, verse 9, For to this end Christ both died and rose and right, revived, that he might be the Lord both of the dead and living. But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another any more. But judge this rather, that we put that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Uh, let's see, and then it goes on. There's some other things in there. He finishes up his thought on <clears throat> eating meats and uh, the fact that nothing uh, is uh, unclean, nothing unclean in, in it of itself. But to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean, and so forth. But the judgment seat of Christ, it has been, this is just um, 
my understanding of the judgment seat of Christ is for is, is for believers, is for Christians. At the judgment seat of Christ, there will be no unbeliever present at that time. Uh, if dispensation is right, if if what I'm thinking is correct concerning the scriptures, then what we're expecting next to happen is for the Lord to come and receive unto himself believers, the church. And um, at that time, just beyond that is the judgment seat of Christ. It is, it is referred to often as the Bema. Um, it is a raise. It is a, a Bema. And, uh, I guess Greek understanding is a raised platform where rewards or awards are given out. And uh, I have tried to picture that in the Olympics. Paul, I think some of his writings, he refers to things that would relate to the Olympics, even the competition between com- competitors and games of those times. And in our day, there is the reward of uh, the gold, the silver, the bronze. Those are three awards that are handed out for first, second, third place. But there could be, there could be very many. There could be, I don't know, there could be hundreds, could be thousands who compete for that. But every one of them, they're not just merely spectators, they're competitors, but they're the ones that receive the rewards. And in my understanding, in our giving account for the deeds that are done in our body, whether good or bad, we're going to be there one by one before the Lord Jesus Christ, not to be judged for our salvation. That was taken care of. We've been talking about biblical salvation, and Jesus Christ took care of that for us at the cross in his death, burial, and resurrection, and we put our faith in that. But beyond that, <clears throat> there's some things that we could be awarded, rewarded for because of our faithfulness to the Lord. At no point in time in our life beyond salvation does it ever come into question that we are <clears throat> we're born again, we're believers, or we're unbelievers, or we're lost again. There's some people who believe you can lose your salvation. I grew up in that environment, but I since then have embraced what the Bible teaches about the security of the believer. And so at the judgment seat of Christ, it's not a question of whether we're that it's not the question is not that we're lost, but we're going to be there because we are saved, we are believers, we are part of the body of Christ, and we're going to be receiving we're going to be receiving rewards for the way we've con- conducted ourselves. And, and and some people say, Well, what about sin in our life? You take care of that at the cross. He has taken care of all the sin there. Sins before, sins current, sins that will 
may commit in the future, not willfully. Uh, I don't know of anybody who, you know, we're, we're accused because of the way that we believe of have that, that we just give a license to sin. I don't know anybody who preaches that. I don't, I don't have any friends who preaches that. Um, but we, we, uh, we do recognize that we're still human beings and, and uh, full of faults and failures and shortcomings. And uh, <clears throat> so I want you to give me what your thoughts are about the judgment seat of Christ. And, and don't hesitate to tell me what's on your mind or on your heart, because we're all learning from one another's comments that are being made. And hopefully people who are hearing uh, are learning as well and at least uh, uh, are being given an appetite just to study the Word of God and digest it so that they can have be persuaded in their own heart and mind and have peace about their relationship to Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? So I want to just jump in there. So, uh, so Dad, you're reading out of Romans 14, right? Right, right. Okay. So if I can draw our attention to 2 Corinthians 5. Yep. So in 2 Corinthians 5, the verse we're going to hit eventually is uh, verse 10. But let's see. Where can I start reading? Let's, let's start in verse 6. We're going to make our way down to 10. So in verse 6 it reads, So we are all ways of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So, do we have? Help me out here. Here's here's my question. That's the that's the other uh, very clear reference to the judgment seat of Christ, and how that we all will uh, stand before the judgment seat, and we will give an account of everything that we've done in our body, whether good or evil. So, as as we've already uh, discussed, you know, because of our Faith in Christ, there is now there there is now therefore no condemnation for us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ. So if we are no longer condemned, we will not have to give an account for any sin. But as you said, Dad, uh, my understanding of this is going to be more like an award ceremony. Uh, as that's probably a better description instead of uh, judgment. However, this verse here talks about giving an account whether good or evil. And the reference, it's in 2 Corinthians, which is uh, the second letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. So this is written to believers. So the believers are having to give an account for everything that they've done in their body, whether good or evil. So are we going to escape having to uh, give an account for sin? Do you think 
<clears throat> do you think maybe it's a uh, more of an account instead of uh, the the bad not being necessarily the the sins that we've committed, but but the the <clears throat> what we've done, the work that we've done in the name of of Christ. Maybe the 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 bad as far as you know the uh, the the people that we've we've maybe led away from Christ because of what we've done because of the way that we've acted around them or because of what we've told them or maybe the 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 you know the things that we've told them aren't necessarily accurate that those things could be bad the the bad that they're talking about there did did you find something in scripture no i'm just mm-hmm. asking no, I, I, I mean, think it's a lot of speculation, Josh, and and I don't think the Lord uh, is troubled by our speculation and thinking because we can't fully understand or see the things ahead. Uh, but uh, the things that we have, and I think Paul sometimes would compare things that were just like Jesus would do parables, and he would use those common things that were so common to people then to try to uh, to present a biblical or scripture truth. And, and uh, I think that Paul did that some as well. What One, one thing that I th- hear about the bad is you think about all those competitors in an athletic event. Um, they didn't get the proper rest that they should the night before. No, they, they, uh, they fudged on the things that they ate. Uh, they may have allowed a pound or two. <clears throat> uh, I think it's in the book of Hebrews. And we are, you know, Paul, if Paul wrote that, he, he was talking about we are to lay, lay aside those things that so easily beset us in the race that we run. And so I think some, you know, here, and, and, and just, uh, you know, wandering in my mind, because my mind is human now, but there's coming that day that we'll be, have a body like the Lord's in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. When we are changed, when we become immortal, you think about that. We're mortal right now. It's appointed unto us once to die. We're in that category. But there's coming a time when those who are dead in Christ. Uh, will be the first ones raised, and those of us, if we're still living at that time, will be changed just in the twinkling of an eye. And then together, it says, we'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Okay, at that time, we, we are immortal. And so we've not only got a body that has been changed, we have mentality that has been changed. And it's be, if, it's, if judgment is the cross, which I believe it is beyond that point, I don't think that, you know, what Dan, what you're reading in Second Corinthians is about if uh, this uh, house, you know, if the, this earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, our body right now, then we have a building that's in heaven, not made with hands. And so uh, uh, people, people our, our loved ones who have passed away, uh, um, for me, mom and dad and others like that, Noah's parents as well. Well, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I believe that. But I don't think the judgment seat, you know, to, it's important that a man wants to die after this is judgment. But I don't think those judgments happen immediately after death. I think that the, the, the judgment seat of Christ is a gathering of all. Believers, not all. We're going to, you know, we'll discuss all or 
all that is remaining at the white throne judgment, but all believers gathered at the judgment seat of Christ. And then I agree with you, son, that that's going to be the place where awards are being given because uh, there's a, there's a um, crowns, crowns to be given. And uh, there are definite references to those crowns that can be, what would you say? Would they be earned or would they be won? Won. One's a good good expression, I think. You know, it's, well, you know, we we are not saved by our works, but we are saved to good works. Right, right, right. And if we're not doing those good works, then we're not living out our salvation. So, okay, let me just ask you a question. This is a question. When we're not losing our salvation, but could 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 we could we jeopardize? It's the word I guess I'll use. Could we jeopardize our reward by not doing what God would have us to do? And is that the bad part of it? It's well, not, think, not not so much sins. It's a lack. It's it's being lax in the things that God wants us to ignoring the Holy Spirit. He said, can "Grieve not the Holy Spirit." Can can you can we can grieve the Holy Spirit? I don't. We can. Can I, can I answer your question? With yeah. Okay. We we can postulate, give thoughts and ideas, but Paul actually wrote about that in uh, in First Corinthians chapter nine. Uh, as, as I was studying, I found this reference. Um, verse 24 of chapter 9 reads, and there, there's a few verses here. Uh, do, not, uh, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it, it being the prize. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So this concept, Paul's even writing about it, about disqualification of winning the prize. So the prize in this race is is striving to be faithful in our faith. So it's it's striving to live a faithful life so that we can be an effective witness to others as we share the gospel with them. <clears throat> if we if we aren't living like a Christian's supposed to live. So again, let, let's not mix this up. You know, we, we are not saved by our works. We are saved by grace, faith through grace, uh, grace through faith. But we are called to live uh, as followers of Jesus Christ, we're called to live like Christ did. We're called to live selfless lives. We're called to live lives of self-control. We're called to live lives filled with grace. And and the crowns that you mentioned, I found several of them in my study in preparation for this. So as we go forward, I'd like to go through those. And before I turn over the mic, and I, I know Josh has got something to say, but before I do, Dad, you referenced uh, Hebrews 9.27 earlier. You you uh, you quoted the very first portion of that verse, and it says, "And just as appointed unto uh, for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, 
the rest of it reads, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting his return. So, um, you know, it's for those of us who are waiting for him to return, it's not about sin. It's his, his return. You know, it's the judgment is not about sin in our lives because the sin, as you said, Dad, was paid for on, on Calvary. So when we put our faith and trust in that, our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We've not been blotted out. <clears throat> so now our righteousness is imparted unto us because of Christ's righteousness, not our own. So we uh, we have a daily a, a daily regiment where we need to deal with sin in our lives every day, so that we do not hamper our fellowship with Christ. But our relationship will never be broken. And at the the judgment seat of Christ, from what I'm seeing. It appears to be more of an award ceremony as opposed to a shaming ceremony. It's it's not about our sin. There is now no there is now therefore no condemnation. Therefore, I don't need to be ashamed. Um, we often think about um, these these treasures, these crowns, these gifts as being physical things, um, but. I don't think that we, we necessarily even need to look to Judgment Day to, to, to talk about the, the gifts that we get from the Spirit when we follow according, uh, our lives according to faith. Um, you know, there's there's lots of gifts that, that I receive um, just by, you know, whenever I do walk faithfully as far as I the, the person that I am being, that I'm slowly being molded into um, when, when I, uh, when I, do my best to follow um, the 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 will of God, um, and and so you know with with that I think that that the losing out on those those gifts is is a big deal to me. Um, uh, even you know I I don't think that the gifts that that um, that Paul's talking about here are necessarily um, those gifts, although they could be you know they they could be in more spiritual sense than what we think. Of the mass, but but um, but you know, just purely in the now and and speaking spiritually, um, <clears throat> you know, those the 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 blessings that I get um, uh, whenever I live according to faith, um, and and the people that I know that live according to faith, that the blessings that they get, um, are, you know, are are well worth the the race that that we run currently. Well, I think for all of us, the greatest of all gifts is to know him as our Savior. But for oh God so loved the world, he gave his own begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And everlasting life is, is a gift. And another blessing of that is that we have that. But And, and I, I'm of the opinion that each one of us wants to live our life 24-7 pleasing the Lord. But I can say for myself personally and not you, I don't always do that, even though I strive to do that. And I might, I might feel him before him. You know, it's a, in my current state, in my human body. And, and you know, we say, well, that could never happen. Well, it might happen to Enoch. It doesn't say anything about Enoch being changed when he was translated. 
And uh, Elijah doesn't say anything about him being changed. So he was there, human speaking. And when John on the Isle of Patmos, when the Lord said, come up hither, uh, you know, he saw some things. I don't know what he'd done. Paul even suggests, and he knew somebody, and I believe he's talking about himself, who was went before the Lord, and it was in a human sense. But he's, you and I, all of us, me, I, I'm waiting for that change myself. But, my son, in regard to what you read out of Second Corinthians, in King James, verse 11, you stop with verse 10. Yeah. In verse 11, said, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. What is he talking about? What is he talking about? Well, keep, keep reading it. He said, terror of the Lord, and we persuade men. Right. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Right. So because we know the terror of the Lord, and in okay. ESV it says okay. the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Yeah. So we we Christians that put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we we are exempt from the wrath of God. We we've absolutely that wrath was poured out on Jesus Christ. Uh, it but is. we understand that wrath of God. We we that is the fearful thing. Right. You don't want to be on the receiving end of the wrath of God. So preach, preach because that of that, we need to persuade others. Absolutely. I preached that yesterday out of Revelation sixteen. In the, that so when the full wrath of God is poured out on this earth, you don't want to be here, right? And we're not going to be here. Those are so, believers are not going to be here, but there'll be some believers who will be here at that time. But there'll be the ones that are come to the Lord beyond the we call it the rapture. <clears throat> so if I can, if I, if I go back to crowns for just a second, yeah, sure. So uh, there's actually some biblical reference to these crowns. So uh book of Second Timothy chapter four verse eight reads, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to those who have loved his appearing. James one twelve reads, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Then you have First uh, Peter 5, 4. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And then I also found reference in uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. And again, it's the crown of life. So do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. For ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. So there are these crowns that we will receive. Uh, I've heard people talk about a soul winner's crown. Is is that actually a reference in the Bible? You know what? I'm not sure. It says it'd be wise over in the book of Proverbs. I think it is. Yeah, those he, he that win souls, souls is wise. he that win souls is wise is what right. that says. But I'm not sure about a soul winner's crown. And it, is he, so, anybody? Anybody? Y'all, do y'all know of one? Uh, mm-hmm. Ezekiel 33:6-9. And give me just one second to get there. That's the reference that I found quickly. I don't know if that's actually even relevant, but that's the first reference that I found to a soul winner's crown. 
while you're looking that up, Josh, mm-hmm. add further beyond this question. I wanted to ask, so we've cited a couple of uh, a couple of Bible references. You you had Romans 14. I had 2 Corinthians 5, and it's referring to uh, this judgment seat of Christ. But is there actually – so like, you know, in Daniel 7, you have Daniel with a vision of the throne room of God and a judgment. And it talks about the books being opened. In Revelation 20, we have a similar vision that John had on the Isle of Patmos. Uh, and that vision, again, is the throne room of God and the books being opened for judgment. Is there is there a, a prophetic visual account of the judgment seat of Christ or just reference that we've seen in scripture. I think there's, I think that what, what I'm familiar with is what Paul, those two references that Paul is one to the church at Rome, the other one church at Corinth. Okay. Josh, sorry, back to you with the. No. The <clears throat> yeah, it was, it was a, uh, it was a dead end. It was the, the, um, it's the scripture that talks about the uh, the watchman, um, and then he referenced uh, in Ezekiel. They reference the the Son of Man, um, saying, "Son of Man, say to Israel, or say to the Israelites, this is what you are saying: our defense, our defenses, and sin weigh us down, and we we are wasting away because of them. How how then can we live? Say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, take I take no pleasure in death of the wicked." But rather, they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, you, the people. Oh wait, I'm sorry, I'm reading after. Um, Son of man, the watchman of the people of Israel. So I hear the word. I speak and give them warning from me. Um, when I say t- to the wicked, you wicked person, you surely will die, and you do not speak out to dissuade them from their ways. That wicked person will die for their sin. And I will hold accountable or accountable for the blood. But if you or if you warn the wicked people to turn from their ways, and they do not or they do not do so, they will die of their for their sin. Though you yourself will be saved. But again, no reference to crown there. Hmm. So the verses that you read. Dan, uh, has to do with righteousness, life, and glory about the crown. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I was trying to write those down as quick as you was writing. I no, mean, reading hang them. on, let me let me give them to you again. If you know, if maybe a listener missed them. So the the references I had was Second uh, Timothy four eight, and that reference talks about a crown of righteousness, and this is from my personal study. Uh, James one twelve is the crown of life. Revelation 2.10 is also the crown of life. And then finally, 1 Peter 5.4 is the crown of glory. And then there's also the crown of rejoicing that's in 1 Thessalonians 2. Yeah, this uh, I knew that there was another one there somewhere. Yeah. Crown of rejoicing. I, you know, Josh, can you tell me what that reference is? Because I, I looked I looked for that earlier and I could not find it. Um, 1 Thessalonians 2. First uh, Thessalonians two, nineteen and twenty. Okay, can you read those? I will. Just getting there. I must start from seventeen. 
bro- but brothers and sisters, we were we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time in person, not in thought. Out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly, I, Paul, did not or did again and again, but Satan blocked the way. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will, which we will glory in the presence of the Lord Jesus when He comes? It is not you, indeed. You are our glory and joy. King James says, "For what is our hope, our joy, or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming?" And what I what I read in ESV reads, for what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting? Crown of boasting Jesus at, at his coming. So I'm is it not you? So it, but see, okay. So I'm back up. The way I'm reading this way I interpret it, Paul is telling the church at uh Thessalonica, the Thess- the Thessalonians that they are his crown of boasting before the Lord. So, uh, I, I don't, I, I don't know that I see that as a crown being awarded. So that's, I was hoping maybe one of the translations actually showed it more as a crown that you would receive when Christ returns. Do either of your translations clearly state that? Yeah. No, uh, I mean, it, the, other than you know. If these aren't physical crowns, if they're if they're, you know, more along the line of, of being spiritual accomplishments, uh, that that yeah. we we see pri- that we we you know get joy from a- accomplishing. Well, let me ask you this, Josh. Do me a favor. NIV. Read verse twenty. Verse twenty says, "Indeed, you are our glory and our joy." Right. See that that kind of feeds in because ESV says, "For you are our glory and joy." So I, I think what my interpretation interpretation is that Paul was saying, "You are the crown." You know, the the church of Thessalonica mm-hmm. is is the crown. Dan, mm-hmm. do you do you see something? Yeah, there? yeah, I can see that. I can see that as well. That is something that Paul rejoiced in that uh, <clears throat> that uh, he had uh, shared with them the gospel they had come to know Christ as their savior. Uh, there's also there's a group there's a group of singers known as casting crowns and they take that as a reference from some of the scripture where and so I've heard preachers preach and uh, may have used that terminology myself where we just cast all of our any crowns any rewards anything that we get at his feet. Yep, yep. So like, can we look at that real quick? Yeah, you got it. That's, you know where it's at? Yeah, That's Revelation it. chapter four. Four. Okay. And let's look at uh, verse 10. Okay. I'm getting Did you read it. From okay. The, Did you from, from let's back up. Let me, let, let's start nine. at verse 9. Okay, so, so let me set the stage. Uh, in Revelation 4, this is John. He's having a vision, and he's seeing the throne room of God. And here's what he sees. I'm jumping into a lot of uh, right in the middle of this because there's lots of things that he sees before this. But and whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, 
the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, O Lord and God to receive glory, honor and power for you. You created all things and by your will, they existed and were created. So here's what's interesting. We know who created all things according to the first chapter of John. So according to John, Jesus Christ is the creator. So we know that he would be the one who's sitting on the throne. And he is the one that they're laying the crowns down at his feet, and they would be the 24 elders. It's a specific number. I mean, I mean you know, we talked about, we talked about the, those crowns, uh, the crown of righteousness, crown of life, crown of glory that you gave reference to. And we're, I guess we're implying at least that uh, those are crowns that any or all believers could have. In the, what I've heard preached before, it seems to imply that any or all believers with crowns are casting them at his feet. But here in Revelation, the reference is 24 elders. Right. So it's so, not all. It's not all and, of us. It's them. And what is what are the crowns? So the crowns may not be something that they've gotten at the judgment seat of Christ. And in Hebrew numerology, the 24 refers to um, the priestly class. Right. So, so it, the the priests that sit around the priesthood of, of Christ would be the, the, the 24 there. Okay. And so, wow. Well, that's, you know, that's some deep theology. It's some deep. It's, it's yeah. Thunder. It, 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 it would require, because, you, you know, I'm looking, if we look at Revelation 1, 2, and 3, he's talking to the churches there. One specifically talks about you're blessed if you read all this, and he, he explains who he is, Jesus does. And then, then two and three, you go into that. Then four and five, to me, John is seeing a picture of what is taking place. In heaven, I think the author should have put, "You're blessed if you read all this at the end of the book of Leviticus." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I don't know if I get a crown, but I definitely need at least a t-shirt. Yeah. So, having read Leviticus, you, what do you? You get a crown for reading all those these thou thus to go beget, <laughs> and and try at least to pronounce some names. Some of it. Some of it. So. Uh, uh, Listen, I've 24 elders, maybe we can get into that sometime. I, I would love to, actually. Uh, I, I've heard, this fascinating me to think, 12 children of Israel, 12 disciples. Yeah, yeah. 12 and 12 is 24. It's representative mm-hmm. of the nation of Israel, and it's representative of the church. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, uh, we use a lot of time in discussing the topics that we have chosen to look at. And uh, we were talking about uh, comparing the uh, judgment seat of Christ to the white throne judgment. I know we're going to run out of time doing that this week. And so if we could just fast forward the next week, if the Lord hadn't come and, and do the uh, white throne judgment. And if there's any between now and then we study, is, you know, something comes to our mind, the Lord brings it to our heart, that we can talk more about the judgment seat of Christ. But I, I love I, ask, I love the comments that have been made. I love it. If I can ask a question, though, before we close, you referenced it early, and I, and I forgot to ask then, so please forgive me. But um, 
you you called it the bema seat. Yeah, bema, the bema. It, is that in scripture somewhere? Is it in scripture? No judgment yeah, seat of Christ. Actually a verse that says it would probably bema. be in the Greek, the Greek understanding okay. of the judgment seat. So the word bema is a bema, Greek word. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you can look it up. I I, I will, uh, but I just I was curious. When I was studying, I didn't find that, and I no, heard that before. It wouldn't be in an English translation, I don't think. <clears throat> you all right? So I love you. I love you both. And if, if well, I appreciate your prayers that you have prayed. Uh, I hope that you continue to pray for uh, two people that we know and I've been praying for myself and hoping that they will come to Christ. Uh, one of them had surgery this morning. I may have uh, requested prayer for him last week. He had the stents placed in the he had stents earlier in one side of his heart. This morning he had stents on the other side, three in fact. And uh, I appreciate your prayers for him, but he needs to know the Lord is his Savior. I appreciate your prayers. But uh, <clears throat> Dan's still praying for you. Mom and I pray for you every night. And uh, we're going to continue to do that. And Josh, we're praying for your little family. What a precious little family you have. And, and uh, you can, uh, I know, before we pray, you can pass on to Daniel that uh, I tried that uh, frozen frosty, and mine did not freeze that well. It was still liquid. It was still liquefied. Tasted good, but it was not like a Wendy's frosty. So the next time that he's here. We'll just drive somewhere to Wendy's. <laughs> we'll we'll let you know what the verdict is. We've got ours still in the freezer, so we'll we'll, we'll try it tonight okay. and let hey, you know the verdict. What's your what? How did you make them? We used. Uh, I saw it on uh, Facebook. It was you used a chocolate milk and a can of Eagle Brand milk, along with uh, in one of those cups of Cool Whip, and you put it all in a blender, and it's supposed to come out like a frosty. And you know what it was? It was just it was just uh, chocolate milk on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, uh, listeners, hopefully you wrote that recipe down. Please feel free to try that at home, and please note that's Dad's recipe that he's done. Here's here's Dan's recipe. If you live in the Chattanooga, Tennessee area, you must use Mayfield. But if you live, if you're not blessed enough to live there, and you live somewhere else, get your favorite chocolate ice cream. Put that in a blender. And then just just run it till it's smooth, and now you have a Wendy's frosting. Uh, but but if you don't have a blender, it just takes longer. Put it in a bowl and whip it with a with a spoon. Because I've been making those kinds of frosties since I was five years old. That may be where Wendy's got the idea from. It is. It is. It's just whipped. All right, all right. I love you, Mary Hart. Do it good like a medicine, right, man? And so we should be good for the next four hours. <laughs> <laughs> Can I pray for us? Absolutely. Please. Yeah. Father, we bow before you in Jesus' name. Thank you for your precious son. And what he has done for us, what he continues to do for us and his plans for because of redemption and bringing us all together home to be with you in the yet future. What a blessing that's going to be. But in the meantime, we are blessed, the three of us, along with any who might listen from time to time, to open that which is precious, your word. 
that word never changes forever, O Lord, is settled in heaven. And we know that uh, you are truth. And we we sometimes, we, we want to understand. We have the teacher, greatest of all, living within us, and he helps us to understand. And so for the precious Holy Spirit, we give you thanks. And we appreciate him and praise you for all that you do for us. And we're praying for one another, our families. We're praying that needs will be met as they always are. Such a blessing. But sometimes you just give us the desires of our heart. And we praise you for those events as well. Bless both Dan and Josh, their families. Bless Nola with total recovery. I pray in Jesus' name. Until we meet again. Thank you so much. Amen.